Well, hello, everybody. How are we today? I'm your host, Tyler Coe, and welcome to my mental health show and my mental health channel here on Twitch. Reminder that if you're not watching us live, uh, you obviously can watch on YouTube. Uh, you can listen on Spotify and some other audio platforms, and we do the show live every single Monday on Twitch. Thank you for being here today, however you got here, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm feeling pretty good here on a Monday. Um, I'm really excited to dive into what we're going to be discussing today. We have an amazing guest on uh, that I've been trying to get on for a minute, and luckily our calendars uh, matched up for this week, so very excited about that. And as you can see, if you're joining me right now, that my chalkboard today is already filled out. Mental illness is real. Now, you could be looking at that and thinking, well, yeah, <laughs> right? But that's not the case universally. I think that's one of the biggest issues we face as a people is trying to get it to 100% because we're not quite there yet. And I think that's one of the most difficult parts about having a mental illness is having to explain it. And having my explanation believed. You know, our lives in general, like, you know, we, we always have to explain because that, you know, that's part of the deal of existing is, um, you know, who we are, you know, what we like, uh, you know, what's your major, uh, age, sex, location for the AIM AOL crowd that still remembers that. But, you know, we, we get it. We get it. Um, but with a mental illness or affliction, it is so different in that it requires an ex explanation every single time. Unlike a typical issue we see with a person who's hurting, like, let's, let's take, for example, somebody with a broken arm, right? That's something we can all imagine and visualize. And when we see that, we know that arm does not work. You know, it could be for a bunch of different reasons why, it, why it's broken, but that's the reality. We accept that reality. We know that's true, right? That it's broken. It's not working right now. Uh, we know that they can't lift it, that they can't move it, uh, that they're probably in pain. Um, eventually it'll get better. Maybe it won't, but we kind of know what the drill is. Like, like guys, we get this. We universally understand. We get the picture. Um, we know that they need assistance with it, right? We know that it's not okay right now. Now, obviously, the scars that we can't see, are the, those are the ones that cut the deepest, but for the mentally afflicted, and you guys probably know where I'm going with this, we never get the same treatment as someone with an outward medical issue even after we explain it. And time and time and time and time again in different versions, in different chapters, over and over and over. We, know we never question the broken arm. We never question the bruise, the cane. Like, we get that. We can see that. We know it. And we have empathy towards that because we understand that that body is injured right there. However, for us, not only can you not see it sometimes, even if we do explain it and what it is, some people just don't think it exists. They don't believe what's behind me. They think that you're making it up or that you should fit into this box. Um, some argue with about how you should feel. And I can imagine the same conversation, you know, with a broken arm. Like, could you? Like, um... <laughs> Like, uh, I, I, I don't know if that's how you should be feeling right now. I kind of feel that you're being a little bit melodramatic. Like, I think you're kind of making this up. How many of you have had a conversation like that? 
how many of you have been dehumanized by others for speaking your truth? How many of you have had your existence invalidated by those that don't actually believe in your pain? It's just an extra shitty level of exhaustion that, that none of us need for the exhausted crowd that we are. And we got to continue building that bridge, even though it really shouldn't be the afflicted that are putting those stones uh, and that lumber in place to get to the other side. But if that gets us to where we need to go, if, that's, if that gets us to the end goal of everybody understanding, then we just need to start doing it. Like, I would like to live in a world like you guys that a broken arm and a mental disorder are looked at in the same way in the context of this, that the pain is real, that body is injured. Empathy should be an inclusive thing in the context of a human being hurting no matter what. So for today's guest, uh, which this person is perfect to come on to discuss this topic because he has seen it, he has been a part of it, he practices it, he preaches it at every single level. He is the highly esteemed psychiatrist who is board certified in general psychiatry and neuropsychology uh, psychiatry, excuse me, award-winning author of the book, Science Over Stigma, uh, Education and Advocacy for Mental Health, who is also an extremely gifted presenter who has attended numerous events and lectures around the country to try and bridge the gap that we were just talking about between the non-afflicted and those that are, and as well as, according to at least one of the sources that I saw, a kung fu student who has a black belt. So don't mess with this guy, okay? He knows what's up. So I would like to welcome to the program uh, Dr. Daniel Moorhead. So, oh my gosh, he's, he's not there. Hold on. We got we to gotta bring him on. Hold on one second. Let's get him up. Let's see if he's there. There he is. There he is. My bad. <laughs> Dr. Moorhead, how are we doing today? I am great, sir. I just feel better listening to the sound of your voice. Uh, that makes me feel good. I can't get over how much I like your voice. I also didn't know this was a Twitch event. I am so psyched. I can tell my kids I've been on Twitch. <laughs> I am somebody. You've made and, it now. You've made um, it to the big time. Yeah, and with that introduction, I feel like I should come out of the ring, you know, jabbing and I, I mean, I feel, I feel good. So thank you, sir, for all of that. Well, Doc, we, we very much appreciate you being on today. And yeah, that kind of blew me away, but it didn't because, I mean, uh, your, your resume uh, is truly impressive. And I think one of the things uh, that we really connected with when, when we first spoke is just the breadth of knowledge that you have in so many different areas. And I think that's so key to the mental health conversation is somebody that is not only talking about it, but has lived it in so many different areas. And, um, yeah. you know, one of the things that I loved about your book uh, which, once again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up there for the people, signs over stigma, is, you know, when I was flipping through it, I haven't read the whole thing, but when I was flipping through it, I found one of the chapters, and one of the chapters was obviously this right here behind me uh, on my uh, chalkboard, which is mental illness is real. And it kind of shocked me. I'm like, well, yeah, of course it is. But I realized that this book is for so many other people besides me. And the subtext in that chapter was half-truth said half truth we do not know exactly what causes mental illness and then it said full truth although we do not know exactly what causes mental illness we do know that mental illness is biological illness and i love that straightforward you know blunt approach and thinking that obviously that's one of the biggest stigmas surrounding mental health that 
the mentally ill are making it up, that I'm being a drama queen, that my depression, my symptoms, I'm over, they're overblown. That's not real. And for someone like you, inside and outside of the office, like how many times are you having that conversation of like, look, this is a real thing. And has that been something that you've seen change over the course of your career? Yes, sir. Well, I am, uh, I am rather old or getting there. So, um, you know, I was a kid in the seventies, early eighties, and I can remember, um, you just didn't talk about it. And, um, there was a huge amount of debate, uh, but most, most people thought, well, it's your attitude, you know, it's your head, your thoughts, you can change that. It's all in your head means it's not really real in the same way. Like you were saying, a broken arm or high blood pressure is real. So, um, uh, things have changed massively in the time, what, 25, yeah, 25 years I've been a psychiatrist. Now I feel like the situation is, and this is based on polls, but also people I talk to, uh, that most people, in fact, the vast majority of people, they know the right answer. And what's the right answer? Well, uh, yeah, mental illness is real and we should be, you know, empathetic to people and people should get treatment. At least when, when pollsters call up randomly and ask that, most people say, yeah, that's the right answer. And so I feel like a majority know that's the right answer, but then it's at this point, I feel like it's pretty superficial in our culture. And this is not to complain because it's so much better than 30, 40, 50 years ago. But um, even though 90% say, yeah, mental illness is like medical illness, um, one of your graphics, which is so critical before the show, is that um, a little less than half of people in any given year who have mental illness get treatment for it. And then of the people who do get treatment, um, the people who stick with it are about half again. So it's like maybe one-fourth get sustained treatment for mental illness in any given year that have it. And so what does that mean? To me, it means, yeah, we kind of know intellectually it's real, but we don't act like it's real for the most part. And then uh, to a large degree, we don't feel that it's real, or maybe we go back and forth. And so um, there's all this, I think there's all these residual sort of doubts and reservations that you were alluding to in conversations like, um, you know, oh, yeah, you got bipolar. Well, I, you know, I, I, I really support you. And yeah, 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 good that you're getting treatment. But, you know, you know, uh, my uncle, you know, just had, you know, he just had a good attitude and he just kind of got up his, off his butt and started exercising. And he got off all his medicines and he didn't need that stuff anymore, right? There's this kind of implicit undertow that wants to pull people to, but really it's not, it's the same, but it's really not the same, right? And it's um, and and if you need medicines, okay, but you shouldn't need medicines. And um, you know, maybe if you just had the right attitude or just did it right, you wouldn't need heavy duty treatment. Um, and still, most of us feel like, and I'm a person who who deals with mental illness personally. If the illness gets bad, I feel like a failure. I'm a psychiatrist. I work with it every day. I know for a fact it's a hundred percent. It's a biological medical problem. It's as medical as any other kind of problem. Now, on top of that, it's, it's mental, too. And if you're a spiritual person, then you'll, you'll know from experience that it can affect you spiritually. 
but um, but mental illness it's 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 medical illness plus right it's everything that medical illness is it messes with your body it messes with your brain it shortens your life it can kill people it can disable people it's all of that plus it's got all the mental stuff that um, those of us who have it know from experience you touch on so many things right there that I think all of um our viewers are going to be able to relate to and, and me myself like you nailed it right there you feel like a failure when it gets to you too much um and that's something that i struggled with and I, i'm sure a lot of people listening or watching have felt like that before because that that second part too of like oh tyler i understand that you have bipolar yeah well my family member did this he he got his bootstraps that he was assigned at birth and you just put those bootstraps on you know and he was good to go it was just a can-do attitude and yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and and think about this. I, I another illustration along the lines of yours. Somebody has cancer, and I'm talking to them, and I say, you know, you don't want to be on that chemotherapy. You know, it's pretty bad for you. I know somebody; their hair fell out, they got sick. You know, you probably ought to get off that. Get on a supplement. I heard about. Well, very, very few of us would do that, right? It's horrible. It's life-threatening. And I'm a doctor. I'm not their doctor. I don't give that kind of advice to somebody. I just I try to be understanding and supportive. Um, but yet, it's commonplace with mental illness, right? You're told, oh, what medicine are you going? Oh man, you know, my best friend was on that. He didn't do well. I don't. I get or I saw a news story on that. I get off that. We we do things for mental illness that we would never think of for other kinds of illnesses. And it's, it's out of good intentions, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's destructive. The, the good intentions part is kind of the frustrating thing when it comes to communication because there are a lot of people that want to help. You know, a lot of the times that is a family member, right, that is trying to figure out that's mom, dad, trying to figure out what's wrong with the kid. Um, but what is the saying about uh, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions? And I don't mean to be that dramatic with it, but yep. that's not listening. There's, you're yep. not listening to the person in pain when, you when you're saying this is what's wrong. And, and again, going back to those analogies, we would never say that to somebody with cancer that I know you have cancer, but you're being a little dramatic about it right now. And I think you should just have a better attitude about it. And uh, you need to go forward with your day. And that stuff, it's infuriating. Um, but I think there is a little bit of an understanding, as, as frustrating as it is, that people just don't really understand it. They, they don't really. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the, another thing you talked yep. about as far as a spiritual uh, connection to it, I think that's a fascinating thing about uh, you as well, Doc, is that you have your hand in theology. Uh, your, your wife is a priest. Um, you are a man of religion. And so I find that really fascinating. Science, religion, you know, that's an age-old battle since the dawn of man, right? Um, what has that been like to walk in both of those worlds? Are people kind of surprised to hear that that's the case, that what you do and also what you believe? Yeah, it, it used to be a bigger issue. Um, there was a time when, when very few psychiatrists uh, considered themselves people of faith or spiritual people, and that it was, you know, psychiatry was kind of competitive with religion or anti-religion. Um, and that's gradually changed. But like when I was interviewing for med school in the nineties, um, I was a religion major and they would ask me, Oh, you, you know, do you want to, do you want to work in re with religion and faith with what you're doing? And I thought, well, this is a trick question. Cause if I say yes, you know, they might blackball me. <laughs> they'll, they'll think I'm some, you know, uh, uh, you know, religious fanatic. 
um, who's going to try to proselytize people. But um, that situation has changed quite a bit in the last 20 years, and the reason uh, is, is fascinating to me. The reason is hundreds upon hundreds, and now we have thousands of studies that when they looked at the influence of faith and spirituality in people's life, um, uh, it's not that a good spiritual life makes us immune to some kind of illness, either physical or mental illness, but if people are inclined to spirituality and religion, if they're interested, if they want it, if they feel like it's positive, it's actually good for people's health. And we have studies on depression, we have studies on anxiety, addiction, we have length of life, levels of disability, general life satisfaction. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so, uh, whereas when I entered my medical training, basically I was going to try to avoid the subject at all costs, today I can say, look, on a scientific basis, if, if you want it and it's positive in your life, we can say scientifically it's good for you. That doesn't mean we can scientifically prove your religion is right. That doesn't mean we can force people into spirituality or religion because you don't want it. It would only make you feel worse and, and do worse to be forced into it. But for people that are inclined, um, it's one of the better things that you can do for your health long term. It's not competitive with medicine. It's not either or. You know, every I feel like almost everything we say about mental health is both and. So again, yeah. going back to cancer, nobody thinks I got cancer. Should I do chemotherapy or should I have faith and pray? Or should I do chemotherapy? Or should I do a big meditation retreat? Well, you do both, right? You do right. everything that you think might be of benefit to you, and you don't think of them as competitive. And with mental health, a lot of times people struggle with, well, do I, you know, should I take a medicine? Is that a lack of faith? No, you treat it the same way. It's all complementary. It's all uh, levels of who we are physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so when we treat the whole person, lo and behold, can you believe it? We, we all do better when we treat the whole person. I love that mentality, that, that all-encompassing of like, um, it doesn't have to fit into one bucket. And we've talked about this on the show before about buckets of like, your mental illness falls into different things. Your anxiety here, your depression here could be hurting this disorder right here. And I completely agree with you as far as, um, I'm not a, a person of religion at all, but I have my different religions that I would say are very holo uh, um, holistic. Uh, and their foundations of, of working out and being a part of groups and communities that I, I really do see as like, that's my spirituality is connecting with those things and having that also with the medicines that I take, uh, the, the psychiatrists that I have to see for my condition. I think it is a really good note to make that all of that can help. Uh, it, it's not going to hurt. It's only going to help. So is that is yep. that kind of one of the reasons that drove you to write Science Over Stigma? Is that kind of wrapped up in a one? Was that that, that driving force? Was that the catalyst? So um, the catalyst was to some degree my own ignorance. <laughs> um, because uh, I, I was a practicing psychiatrist, you know, from the 90s, well, mid-90s on. And over the last 25 years, these studies have gradually come out, like how, how common is mental illness, right? Like it's, the NAMI says one in five. Actually, if you put in substance abuse, it's one in four every year, and one in two in a lifetime. 
and these studies would come out, and I would think it can't, you know, that, that it can't be, can it be that, that common? I mean, I'm a, I, I'm a psychiatrist, I see it every day, okay, I have it, I deal with it in my family, but okay, it's not that common, is it? And then studies came out about how serious it is, right, like the levels of disability, the number one most disabling single illness worldwide is major depression, right? And, um, you know, things like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, tremendously disabling on any scale of medical disability. And then, and then studies later than that that came out about, you know what, talk therapy is not psychobabble. Talk therapy works and it's biologically powerful. These medicines aren't cure-alls, but you know, it, uh, after whatever, 15 years of doing psychiatry, I realized, okay, you know, we can't cure bipolar, schizophrenia, panic attacks, depression, but you know what? We can't cure high blood pressure. We can't cure diabetes. We can't cure heart disease, but we have good treatments for all of those. And if you start looking at it and comparing it apples to apples, what we find is, okay, mental illness is so common, it affects everybody, at least to the extent that somebody you know and care about has it, if you don't. It's so real, it's a major cause of death and disability um, and physical decline in this uh, country and around the world. And it's also um, as treatable as these, not, not as treatable as a broken arm, say, which is pretty much gonna heal and get better, right? But as a chronic illness, like high blood pressure, diabetes, it's absolutely as treatable as common medical problems. And so it added up and I thought, oh my gosh, this is just stunning. And all these studies just kind of fell together, right? It's common, it's real, it's treatable. And so uh, my, my wife actually, um, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, asked me to do a talk on it at our church and so we, we, had a, we had a time set aside, and a grand total of three people showed up. <laughs> and we had three people on the panel. So with the moderator, we had more presenters than people there. But, you know, the people, the people who were there got it and cared. And then I got uh, invited. I guess the word Tyler's on my mind. There was this, this mental health and faith conference in Tyler, Texas. Oh, really? Uh, and I said, I said, um, you know, I thought, well, deep East Texas, be some, you know, resistance, but that, you know, this will be good to support. So I went out there to speak. They said, eh, probably 200, maybe 300. I got there in the morning and there were 800 people there in Tyler, Texas, and they filled the entire auditorium and they had to turn away people um, because they had reached the, the safety limits for how many people could be in the building. And it was at that point that I realized really, truly, you know, in my heart and emotions, oh my gosh, this is real, right? All these people aren't going to turn out on a Saturday morning for something that's just kind of made up or a fad or people are fooling themselves. This is, this is real and it cuts really deep and we have all, all of us in our own little, um, not silos, but in our own little pit of pain and despair, not realizing um, just how many, I mean, like one in five, one in four in a year. I mean, these are millions and millions of people going through the same thing nationwide and worldwide. And I thought, um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna wake up. 
as a culture, we're going to wake up to this, and someday we're all going to be looking around saying, oh, my gosh, this affects us all directly or indirectly, and why we, were we so hesitant to mention it? So, sorry, that's a very long answer, but that's, that, that's the story of how, how, these, how these thoughts came to me. No, I think that's tremendous, especially like not glossing over everything you just said, but that last part. Um, that's one of the things that I've tried to express to others. And, and I'm very early in my stage of, of, of being an advocate for mental health. I always have personally to those around me, but I felt the same way of like, it is ludicrous to me that people don't think that this doesn't affect them or somebody else every single day. When we look at the problems that are going around the world and we, we take a look at homelessness in urban areas, that is a direct correlation. It's not always the case, but that absolutely is a thing that we could help each other out with if we took better care of our mental health. People that are violent, people that commit crimes, that's attached as well. So all these other things that we're bothered by on a daily basis that we don't think are mental health, it's all mental health. Every single bit of it is. Um, and that's encouraging to know what you talked about with a sold-out auditorium of people wanting to at least be a part of the conversation or trying and change. I thank you so much for writing this book. I think it's tremendous. I think the more soldiers we have in the fight, um, and you kind of mentioned on the back of your book, and I got to tell you, Doc, I was kind of a fan because I read on the back, and folks, folks, listen, this is what Doc said about, uh, this is how passionate he is. He says uh, that you, you called for a full-throated defense of mental health treatment that made me want to run through like a brick wall my friend um because that's what it needs to be um is getting on the front lines and really having these conversations and you know my show is my own little way of trying to create this rosetta stone right of like this foreign mm -hmm. language um yep Beautiful. And, I, and i think it's another thing that you probably run into a lot is like um how often are you having to explain to people the cookie cutter mentality that we need to get away from that my bipolar is different from your bipolar. Uh, your depression is different from hers. The anxiety, the panic attacks are all different. Yep. Uh, how many people do you deal with on a daily basis where it's like they come in, they've seen a beautiful mind, they think that hallucinations are things you can actually see when most of the time it's auditory. Um, what, what is that like on a day-to-day? -day? Well, um, you, uh, you, you set up the perfect answer to your question. Um, which is, um, and you know, psych psychiatrists, we're, we're a little bit weird as a group, um, but, but psychiatrists are trained this way to do what you said, which is, um, okay, you know all about these illnesses. Don't assume you know everything or anything when you meet somebody for the first time. All right, if somebody has depression, even if I've had depression, you're right, I don't know what theirs is like. And people are so different, and this is a um, this is a kind of a, a, a not a secret, but a, a truth of medicine that doctors and nurses get confronted with every day in all branches of medicine. But we don't we don't often think of it this way. That people are vastly different. Their bodies are vastly different. In uh, med school, oops, sorry, sorry to get a little morbid here, but you know, you they still do the, the cadaver dissection. People donate their bodies to science to teach doctors anatomy, and so we said, well, why don't we just go buy anatomy books or you know models or whatever? They said the reason is everybody's different, and you need to see for yourself. And it blew me away how profoundly different our bodies are, and then our brains are even more unique and individual. And so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a cross, 
cross-section of things that are the same in almost everybody with bipolar or with schizophrenia or with panic attacks. But like you say, when somebody, when somebody says, I have this, the impulse is to say, oh, I know what you mean, or I know what to say, or I know what to do. And really, we can take the pressure off ourselves and um, just be open, understanding however much the other person wants to say, right? Like not being invasive, but yeah, tell me about it. Or I've heard about this, what do you think? Um, you just you just ask questions and I, I you know, I, I, this is, truly this is a joke. You're, you, you need to know a lot to be a psychiatrist, but I help train psychiatrists and I tell them in a sense, you don't need to know anything to be a psychiatrist. In fact, you need to be dumb in the sense of you need to clear your mind and you meet a person and you let them educate you and then together we'll write the book on this. And yes, there's a massive amount of science now to help us. I don't think um, people always realize from media reports how much research has been done. There are reams and reams of, of, of good research and data and treatments to help us. But on the other hand, that, that data tells me about people on average, and um, that tells me nothing about the one person that's in front of me at this moment. Because so much floats so That was a long-winded way of expanding your point, but it's a great point. <laughs> it deserves I, I, to be expanded. <laughs> I, I love what, that's an encouraging thought that you're telling other psychiatrists, and I'm sure a lot uh, have the same mindset of, of forget what you know when the person walks in the room, that dumb it down, like what, what is it? Because I remember, you know, so many people, and I think you know this as well, a misdiagnosis, and you even talk about this in your book, a misdiagnosis can be just as critical um, and can be just as devastating to a person if you're put on the wrong medication, you go down the wrong path. And I, what, for me, uh, you know, early in the 2000s, uh, when I, I was around 13, 14 is when I first got diagnosed and I got misdiagnosed. For basically just like, yeah, you're not bipolar, it's just depression, we're going to put you on Lexapro. And I had a very adverse uh, um, uh, reaction to that medication, so I got off of it. And then you also know that the average time between diagnosis and getting real treatment is almost a decade. Well, a decade later, after suicide attempts, substance abuse, all that good stuff, you know, not managing it, uh, that's where I ended up. But uh, that's also a long way to say that there's there it floats right because bipolar can float really close to borderline personality disorder so many of the other afflictions they share a lot of the symptoms um which is really tough i imagine as a psychiatrist to try and like to diagnose like what what is the biggest struggle with that um when you are trying to do a diagnosis of like the best way to treat it as far as like that problem itself what is it that this person is really going through so, you know, we, we have lots of studies like people with bipolar, schizophrenia, whatever, go in the head scan, look for abnormalities. Can we find things? Yes, we can. We can find characteristic patterns. And then the next question is, well, why can't we take people that we're trying to diagnose and put them in the head scanner? And yeah, you're 12 years old and we could do a blood test or head scan and know what you have. And that is the goal, and someday we'll get there. But right now, it's a, it is a cooperative exercise, right, with you and your family if you want to involve them and your doctor. And so it's this, it's this sort of running inquiry or discussion. And I really i am kind of too old to pretend 
that I know things I don't know. I have discussions every day with people about sometimes it's borderline personality symptoms versus bipolar. Sometimes it's major depression with anxiety versus bipolar. Um, sometimes it's other things, but there's, there's so much gray area in, in mental health. And that can make people skeptical, like they don't even know what I have. But um, believe it or not, here, here's, here's one of the most common sayings that you encounter in medical school. In medical school, and this is not about psychiatry, this is about all medical things. They say medicine is 20% black and white and 80% gray, but you better know that black and white. And so does that apply to mental health? I think it does. There, there are things we know really, really well. Like if, if you do have bipolar, you need a very different set of treatments than if you have, say, major depression, even though they're, they're close in many ways. Um, but um, pinning down people who are on that borderline or like you pointed out, all right, somebody's 14 years old, um, it, it's probably going to be obvious in 10 years what they're dealing with. It's very often not obvious at all when somebody's 14 or 12 or 15 or it's just starting. And that's true for all kinds of, of medical problems, but, but it's a biggie with, um, with mental illness. And the way I think of it is, okay, there is no organ and no physical object on earth that's more complicated than the human brain. In fact, to our knowledge, there's no physical object in the universe that's more complicated than the human brain. So, you know, I'm just going to show up and like magically know exactly what's going on. No, what are we going to do? We're going to have a dialogue. And um, when I'm, I mean, sometimes I'm in the patient seat, sometimes in the, in the psychiatrist seat. But when I'm in the psychiatrist seat, I'm asking questions. Do you have this? Do you have this? You know, here's a list of symptoms. What do you think? Here's a questionnaire. See how this applies to you. And then it's not that the questionnaire usually tells us, but it's a basis for more discussion. And so the person can say back, okay, well, this fits, this fits really well, but not this part. And then, and then what about this? Like, I look at the symptoms of bipolar. I don't think I, I have it, but I look at the symptoms and I think, I've had that sometimes, right? Getting real excited, so excited I didn't need to sleep at night and I was all revved up and I couldn't sleep. Of course I've had that. Most people have, right? Or I get going. I get in a discussion, I'm talking, I'm talking faster and faster. How do I know when it's bipolar? And there, there, there are, uh, you know, there are indicators like, well, you didn't just have it for one night. You had it for like five nights or seven nights or ten nights in a row. And that's getting into different territory. But there is a lot of gray area. And, and what I find, I'm sorry, sorry to go on about this, but, but I think what, what I find is, is along the lines of what you found, which is don't give up stay with it. There's going to be frustration. There's going to be diagnoses that might not turn out to be true or medicines that might not work for you. Um, but it's, it's like, it's like, uh, uh, I was going to say it's like following a roadmap, but we don't have those anymore. Those of you on Twitch, we used to have paper maps of things and we'd have to figure out how to get somewhere and we'd take a lot of wrong turns. <laughs> so this is before GPS. So scratch that illustration. But anyway, the idea is um, the first medicine might not work, the second, the third, the fourth. You keep going, and, and people I know, I've, this, this is grim, but you know how bad it can get. Don't die, don't give up, and you will get there. I don't say this lightly, because I've seen people go through a lot of hell, 
and I've been through some pretty painful things myself, but if people don't give up one way or another, over time, we get the pieces of the puzzle in place. Um, but man, it's, it's asking more than, than we really should, should be asking of people going through all that. I don't like it that it's that way, but the good side is it's not hopeless. If you've tried five medicines and they didn't work, it is not hopeless. Almost everybody I see as a psychiatrist is in that category, but we usually find something that works. I think that's uh, all of that was great. Um, don't die. I mean, it's funny because I've said the same thing to people. I don't. I. I. I thought your your um, your your uh, impassioned words right there were better than mine because I usually just say like, "This is a war you're never going to win. Like, you're not going to win this, but it's worth fighting." Which is hard. That's a hard rallying cry to to say when you know like defeat is there. But that last bit really is true, and I found that at least in my life is um of sticking with it and getting back up off the mat even when you don't want to there is hope and it is real that's a real thing with things that we can't even trust with our own minds i know that that's real and i've seen that so i have to know i i know it's real i'm sure i know you've seen that as well um so yep. i thought yep and then do you mind if i throw in one more thing about that that you just no you please you, to... you throw in whatever you want doc this is you right now man <laughs> uh wow well, um uh so uh you're right in the sense, okay, it's a war that we're not going to win in the sense of, it'll, you know, like addiction, people with addiction taught us this. You know, if I'm an alcoholic, I'm always an alcoholic. And hopefully I'm in recovery, but I'm an alcoholic. And these are chronic illnesses, and so we don't look at them as like cured and gone, the way like a cold or the flu would be cured and gone. But on the other hand, um, if you do not give up, it has not won. You are not defeated. And when it gets hard and when it gets bad, if you get to the end of that day and you're still alive, if you survive that day, you won. And you may say or feel, and I've been in this position, I can't do another day or hour or minute, just don't give up now. And, and you will win because mental illnesses, they, they destroy people by convincing us to give up. They're so relentless and they're so demoralizing. So it takes an incredible courage. And I mean this as literally as I can, because I, I haven't been through war directly myself, but I know people have been through a lot of combat. And they tell me it takes as much courage to deal with mental illness. And so what you do is you, you, you can't get up and be your normal self, but you be as relentless as the illness is plus one. Whatever negative thoughts, whatever terrible images it gives you, bad feelings, you push back. And you tell yourself what it is, and you tell yourself that you're not giving up, and you tell yourself that you get help, and then you use all the tools that you, that you learn over time. And if you're relentless, then actually you're winning. And, and I, I, boy, I don't want to jinx myself by saying this. I'm literally going to knock on wood here but i have not if people do that sooner or later it can look like uh we're never going to get to the end of this people will get the upper hand and right it doesn't mean that that i take my foot off the gas pedal because once i get the upper hand then i really need to go at it right i like to say kick it when it's down right when you've got your foot on the throat of mental illness you push harder 
And so it's not over once we get the upper hand, but if people don't give up sooner or later, somehow there's a way forward and, and they find the way to get the upper hand and they find the tools they need. You know, Doc, uh, my last question before we were going to get you off was, if you had the world stage for a moment with everybody's attention, what would you say? But I kind of think you just said it. So I think that's probably where we can wrap up. Close enough. Um, man, uh, Doc, even just listening to you right there like that, that's going to give me energy going forward. Um, sticking my foot on the throat, and when I got it down there, keep going. I, man. That's right. Thank Don't you. So, thank you Kick so much. Kick it when it's down. <laughs> Kick it when it's down. Um, that was so amazing. Thank you for all of this today. Um, I, I love this conversation. This was basically the conversation when we first uh, uh, met, and it, it was so good of you to be able to come on this show. We really appreciate it to share your passion, share your knowledge, and that unique perspective, yep. and uh, to give yep. people a little bit of hope on a Monday. We all need yep. it. So yep. thank you so well, much. Thank, thank you for what you do, and, and I want people that listen or, or watch or participate to know when a doctor says something people kind of say okay when somebody says I've dealt with this myself and here's what it is and here's what helped me it has a power you don't have to reveal that but if you want to it has a power that no doctor or expert has so anyway thank you for what you do that's another great lesson I appreciate that doc all of it um, you are more than welcome to come back on this program at any time uh, so we'll definitely keep in touch and uh, thank you again for everything that you shared today. I know our viewers are absolutely loving it. So um, I hope you're well. I hope your family's well. And we'll uh, check in with you later on down the road. Thank you, sir. All right. We'll see you. Wow. Doc Moorhead bringing straight fire, baby. I told you at the top in the chat that, I mean, that, that was unbelievable. That was so good. <laughs> Thank uh, you, sir. You got me going. I hope I didn't overdo it, but you know, no, sir, you were great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yes, sir. Appreciate it. Um, all right, um, guys. I, I know we. Uh, some of you are saying I'm going to pause just kind of just real quick on all this um, to make sure that. Um, our stream is uh, is working. If you guys could kind of let me know in the chat before we continue the show. I know we had some some lagging issues right there. Um, kind of talking to Dr. Bacon real quick. I apologize if there's any uh, of that kind of going on during the stream. Um, but hopefully uh, you guys got all that. If not, and if there was a little bit of uh, stream issues, we're going to be able to record this thing, obviously, so it'll be nice and seamless. Um, so... Um, I hope all of you got to really enjoy what Doc was talking about. Um, he's just somebody that, like you got to see, it's full spectrum, um, which is tremendous <laughs> to have somebody like that come on the show. Um, man, I, sorry, I'm like I'm like losing my train of thought because I'm trying to remember all the cool things he just said. Kick it, kick it when it's or kick it while it's down is such a good line and it looks like we're working well now so i appreciate the chat sticking by um and you guys sticking with us on the stream i apologize for any of those technical issues um but i think what he, uh, another thing that we've talked about on the show so many times and we talked about it in our first episode and doc um said it again and i want you guys to notice as i'm sure you will and if this is your first time watching 
almost every single person that we've had on the show that is a medical expert like Doc Moorhead has said the same thing of there's not one cure-all. There's not just one medication that's going to work that you need to get as many answers as you can. Go get diagnosed multiple times. Change medications again. Don't give up the fight. There can be um, a level you get to where it starts working and you have a process in place to continue to heal. Um, and that's what it, it's just good reinforcement to keep hearing that because I think that's another big thing when it comes to mental health is just reinforcing these things, your treatments, the things that are working, staying away from the things that are not. Uh, and everything that Doc spoke to today um, was spectacular. I thought another great thing and a good uh, point to bring up, um, and I'm glad we, we, we got a chance to, was was talking about religion and talking about spirituality. And, and as I said on the show, uh, and if this lagged a little bit, I'm sorry, but I, I'm very much not a religious person. Uh, that is just not who I am. Um, but I love engaging in conversations with people like Doc who, who are, uh, but can walk both of those worlds. Uh, you, you can imagine the crowds that he's talked to, the different people from different walks of life. And I know for a lot of you, that's probably been a struggle early on. Maybe you come from a very religious family or have had uh, struggles with that in the past with the church. I know that I did when I was earlier where I've had some people close to me express the, um, and again, it was a good intention to be like, why don't you attend a church camp or go talk to your pastor about this type thing? And that's not the wrong answer, um, but it's only half of it, kind of like the doc has taught. You need to have a bunch of different things helping you out. That's why we call it a support group, right? Support is more than just one. It's multiple. Um, so, wow, I can't wait to go, like, clip up that show and uh, go back and listen to everything that, uh, that Dr. Moorhead talked about. And again, I can't believe he's a, it doesn't shock me that he's a Kung Fu master, basically, as a black belt, literally fighting mental health. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I appreciate you guys joining us tonight uh, for the stream and for the show. Uh, again, you can always watch us live on Twitch at 7 p.m. Central on Mondays. Um, we had had homework last week that I assigned on the show. And again, if this is your first time watching it, we do homework on this show. Homework last week was to forget about your mental health issues for one day, just one day. And during the post show, uh, which we do live, but I do not include in the YouTube or recorded versions, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today is homework. So I appreciate every, uh, appreciate every single one of you joining us today again for the show. Thank you again to Doc Moorhead uh, for joining us and engaging in this awesome conversation about what is behind me because it very much is real. It's 100% real, and it's also 100% real that you can get help that will actually help you. So we appreciate you guys, love you guys, and uh, tune in next week and we can see how we are all doing. Later.